Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And this week, we are going to be doing part two of an earlier episode, answering your questions on advertising. I think three or four of you actually said you got something out of that show. So we're going to go ahead and push ahead and uh, do the second half. Um, but before that, we're going to talk a little bit about pricing, pricing eBooks, especially. And maybe we should be, should we or should we not be looking at kind of inflation and what's been going on, especially this last year, but really prices have been going up like crazy, uh, even in the 10 years that we've been self publishing. And, um, before we jump into that, I thought it'd be, interesting to share with you. I got um, a Kindle Unlimited all-star bonus, two of them this past month. And uh, it's been a while since I got them. And I know when I've gone looking for information on how many page reads it takes to get them, it's like, it's really hard to find it. You know, it moves from month to month, but you can get it, you know, unless you're in a Facebook group with a lot of high rollers <laughs> that are actually telling you, it's hard to know. So I thought in case you guys are curious, I would tell you what it kind of takes right now to get the bare minimum ones. Um, just in case you don't know, the KDP Select All-Star bonuses are monetary bonuses that are given out each month for the top 100 authors uh, for how, based on how many pages were read that month, and also the top 100 titles, individual titles. So each book was how much that particular book, how many pages were read. And um, in case you don't know, I got the chart here. It's a uh, I've never seen these numbers, but for for the first through tenth, you get twenty five thousand dollar bonus. For this is total pages read read across all your titles. Eleven through twenty, ten thousand dollars. Twenty one through thirty, five thousand dollars. Thirty one through fifty, twenty five hundred dollars. Fifty one through a hundred, one thousand dollars. They also do it in the UK and Germany, but uh, it's a little it's less. You can go look those up if you're curious. And then the title bonus are the top one, one through 10 titles get $2,500 bonus, 11 through 50 get a $1,000 bonus, and 51 through 100 get a $500 bonus. And so I would just share that for those, uh, I think I explained everything, but I got one for September. And this was, like I said, the first time I've gotten one for a while. I'm not all in with KDP Select and so I don't have as many books as uh, some people have a lot of books now that are all in there. And of course, sci-fi and fantasy. I know there's some people out there that get them every month. They're rock stars. Um, but probably I would say mostly those are going to romance authors. Uh, that's usually what I see. Kind of, you kind of have to, you can figure it out. You have to be almost in the top 100 for a while in the entire Amazon store for a book. Or if you've got a lot of books and a couple are doing well, like for me, it's usually adding up. Uh, you know, like this was between my epic fantasy and the werewolf stuff. But um, so I got one for the thousand dollar one. So probably closer to a hundred, a hundredth and then 50th, I would guess it took, uh, where is it here? Uh, about 8 million page reads total in the month of September, September to get that one. Uh, I had seven points. 4 million page reads in the U.S. in August, and I did not make the cut. So I think I'm kind of right on the cusp there. And I also got the $500 one in the U.K. for 1.8 million page reads in the U.K. I haven't seen one in quite a while for an individual title, so I don't know what it currently takes for that. It used to be you could get one if you were kind of in that 2 million page read for one title in a month. And this is why if you actually think you're going to rock it with a book launch, you might want to launch it right at the end of the previous month or right at the beginning of the month so that all your, cause they start over every month at the end of every month, your 
tallies for this. Uh, I have no idea what it takes to get the upper ones. I've only gotten the $2,500 one once, I believe, which is, means you're in the top 50. I saw someone post like a year ago in the 20, 20 books to 50K group. I think they said they got the $25,000 one with like 30 million page reads. And that was like a year ago. So it's definitely been going up. Like authors have more books in their catalog now or just they're just killing it again <laughs> a lot more um but i just thought you guys would be curious because like i said when i've gone hunting because you know you're curious when like you have a good month you're like oh i wonder if i'm gonna make it and you go looking and it's tough to find uh people actually reporting on that uh so did you guys have any thoughts on that before we have our pricing discussion i do i think joe does too who's going first go ahead so many thoughts <laughs> okay um so I don't know. My biggest thought is why do we have the all-star bonuses? Um, like, are they the next bragging rights thing? Like making the USA today bestsellers list, uh, because the amount of money authors get as a bonus for hitting them is pennies compared to what those authors are making on a regular basis. Unless an author went from zero royalties to hitting the top 100 for a whole month, then maybe they'll notice a difference. Um, so that's my first thought. And then my second thought is like things are super competitive now. I can't believe how competitive I used to know a ton of authors who'd get all-star bonuses all the time. And I know authors who are putting out that same level of work and pages get the, and get the, that same, you know, that same as earlier pages read and they don't get them now. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. You know, we're going to go mad trying to reach them. So I don't focus on trying to reach them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think it's anything to really shoot for. It's more like if you had a good month, and you're, you know, you're kind of excited. Woohoo! I got extra thousand or 500. Then that covers some of your ad money. Maybe. I mean, if you get the $25,000 one, that's not uh chump change. Although yeah, you're probably, if you're doing 30 million page reads, that'd be like 140,000 a month just from KU, depending on what the, you know, monthly rate is for that month. So, but yeah, even if you got 140,000, you probably wouldn't scoff at 25,000, but yeah, I think that person did say they, like they weren't spending obnoxious amounts on advertising compared to what they were making, but I think they spent a lot on advertising too. So that was very, probably going right back into Amazon's coffers for ad money. Um, as far as bragging rights, I don't know, because they really hide it these days. It actually, I was looking, it used to say, like, if you had an all-star bonus the previous month, it would say that on your book's pages. Like this author was in the all-star program whatever last month and it would link to like you could see like there was a, a list you could scroll through to see all the titles that got the all-star bonus and it looked like i was hunting for that today to see if it still existed and i think it does not so it's not really breaking anything because nobody knows about it unless you share it in a group but yeah so i don't know what it is um it was more money earlier on because like you said you used to be able to get it like i feel like when i used to get like three million total that would be enough to get the bottom one uh cumulative and uh i'm not sure that's even enough to get a title one now so yeah any thoughts joe I just, uh, the, what's funny to me is the only time I ever got, because I don't have very many books in Kindle Unlimited. And back when I was making my biggest income, I didn't have any books in Kindle Unlimited. The only time I ever got an all-star bonus was in, uh, for the translations in Germany. And, uh, 
I, I just think it was funny because it was, again, I was making a ton of actual royalties on that stuff too, but they included it in my royalties, which was nice. They could have sort of not even told me, I suppose. So I was very happy to see, oh, they gave me two separate checks. They gave me the one for the actual royalties and then here's your all-star bonus. So that was very nice. And now I know how much, uh, how many page reads I had to get to do that. So I was doing pretty good in Germany for a while. Well, it's less in Germany. Like I also, like I said, you got the UK one too. And I, I think that was like one point, whatever I said, 1.7 page reads or something, 1.7 million. So I imagine in Germany, it's probably even lower. I don't really, I'm, I'm actually not sure. I don't know how big the Germany store is compared to the UK one. Um, but yeah, it was just a little information for those who were curious and who have wondered. All right. So let's move on to our first kind of a mini topic before we roll into answering the advertising questions. I just thought it would be interesting to talk about, you know, like I said, prices have gone up a lot uh, in the last year, but a lot in the last 10 years, basically since KDP select as you know, or not select, but the KDP dashboard first came online 2008, 2009, and then the other stores kind of followed. So kind of since self-publishing has become a more viable thing and the ebook range as set by Amazon, not all the retailers adhere to this or care, you know, they give you like the 70% royalty at any price in some of the stores, but Amazon set the range of books between $2.99 and $9.99 earn the 70% royalty. And the lowest you can go is 99 cents in the store. And I, I'm not sure if there's a maximum. I've never tried. I've seen text text things for $200 before, but so what do you guys think? Like, should these prices go up to be in line with the fact that everything is more expensive now? I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've lived here in uh, Bend for three years and I've just been like, wow, to housing prices, <laughs> it's just nuts. And then that's everything. Uh, even the government is like, oh yeah, inflation's going up a little bit, even though they kind of selectively measure things to try to make it seem not as bad as it is. Um, but yeah, should Amazon change the basement offering from like nine, nine, 99 cents to one ninety nine so that you can price anything below 99 cents or should they change the top end so you get 70% above 99. Do you guys have any thoughts? Sure. Uh, on the subject of 99 cents in particular, I feel like that price shouldn't or couldn't move. I mean, one of the reasons that 99 cents is the bottom right now is because below that, the credit card fees and stuff basically eat up everything. Um, so it's understandable why they wouldn't drop it lower, but we're not talking about dropping it lower. Uh, I just feel like most books uh, for, certainly in my case, any book priced at 99 cents is just the, I might as well put a sticker on it that says this book is as cheap as I can make it. Like I, everything that I've got priced at 99 cents is uh, a loss leader. I don't really expect to make money off of my 99 cent books. So even if, you know, the inflation triples the prices of other books, I still feel like the bottom is going to be the, whatever. It doesn't matter. It, it could be, it might as well be, it might as well be free. I just can't make it free. As for the uh, the high end, I think I, I think a very strong argument could be made that uh, particularly with box sets and stuff, if we could get seventy percent at higher than uh, than ten dollars, it would be useful. Uh, I realize that you know Amazon likes to try to to keep things uh, trying to drive basically the book prices down so that they have uh, the best deals on their site. But if they could, it, 
if they were to raise it to fifteen or twenty dollars, for example, and people started pricing their their uh, their box sets like or full series sets with ten or fifteen or thirty books, if you're doing like a group thing, uh, I'm pretty sure there'd be plenty of people who would still be able to put out stuff that would be a good value for that cost. Uh, uh, so I would I would love to see it go higher, but uh, when it comes to the low end, I think having just a, a you know a placeholder for tiny cost, I think that probably can stay put. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I like, I don't, I don't care if they change things up. I think that that's something that, you know, the only constant is change, especially with the indie publishing world. But the 99 cents is, is based on years of study and data that not just Amazon, but a lot of people have done a lot of companies. Um, 99 cents is still a magical number too many. And a dollar 99, I know Amazon said that they did studies and they found that a dollar 99 was one of the worst price points. I don't know if that's just Amazon or if that's in a lot of different places, but, um, on Amazon dollar 99 is a dead point. Maybe if they raise that, it, it would help that, but it's more of a, of a mental thing, not, not mental What's the word psychological thing, I think than it is based on anything else. Um, but I mean, it, like 299 could become a new base, but I don't think that they're going to change that. Uh, when it comes to the top, yes, they should change that. <laughs> I, think, I think pretty much everybody's going to agree. Like, especially like Joe said with box sets, you know, box sets should be priced more, especially when you have, you know, six books in a series, you know, and things like that. If you want to have a full box set, I just, I don't think they're gonna, I don't think they're gonna, but it would be really, really awesome if they did. Right. I agree for the box sets. Like there's some, I know a lot of people have stuff on Kobo, like a full series box set that they sell for 1999. Cause you can get the 70% there. And they're just like, Nope, that's just not going to be available on Amazon. Cause I don't want to do the full series at 999. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if 99 cents changes. It would actually be maybe like the question of like, will it, would it become eventually the, the credit card processing fees and the bandwidth delivery bandwidth doesn't cost that much, but if it comes to the point where they're losing money, and I don't know if Amazon ever would because they've got AWS, so they've got the servers too. Not that those don't cost anything to run, but it would almost—I'd almost think it'd be Kobo or another store that doesn't have their own servers that would have to like feel that pinch of not being able to do ninety-nine cents first. And if at some point that just became a dollar forty-nine or a dollar ninety-nine became the lowest point across the whole store, uh, yeah, I think people would just get used to it and accept it. Although, because streaming, digital subscriptions, all that stuff is kind of one place where there, it hasn't been inflationary. If anything, it's been kind of deflationary because these things of cost of everything is in that world has come down. So I, I don't know. I just thought it would be an interesting discussion point, but I, I am curious if at some point they'll bump it up to like three ninety nine. You have to, is the minimum for 70%. Because they think about it, Amazon makes more if we are in that 35% range right so they they might be happy to uh to say oh you got to spend it price it more if you want to get that 70 percent all right uh so i'm curious in light of our topic have you guys raised the prices on any of your ebooks or paperbacks lately or thought about it or are thinking about it anything like that for uh for paperbacks absolutely i think i've had to do it twice because i mean the physical project products, the prices are going up and particularly now there's a paper shortage. So I'm sure the print on demand uh, are, are pretty low on the priority list for, for uh, getting the limited supplies of paper. So I know that the production costs have gone up and I was pricing some of my books at the absolute bare minimum, like my international, my uh, Australian books. I think I was making 15 cents per paperback because I didn't want to price the 
paperback at like 20 bucks. Uh, and so as a result, anytime the price changes at all, I have to raise the price there because otherwise I'll be losing money on every book sold. Uh, so I've had to do that a couple of times and you know, tax rules change and suddenly they're taking the, you know, the, the price has to be changed because they're not, they're not taken out of the, the, uh, the store share. They're taken out of your share. So that certainly I've had to do for eBooks. My eBooks have replained roughly the same price. Uh, I originally, my base price for a full novel was two ninety nine, and fairly shortly after that, I went up to four nine, uh, three ninety nine, and now it's four ninety nine. So I, I have increased my my ebook prices twice, but they've been at five ninety nine for a full length book for me. I'm mean, sorry, four ninety nine for a, a full length book for me for I don't know, probably about five years now, and I still feel like it's a good spot. I don't know that I'm going to raise it too much unless I. I mean, I'll probably raise the cost of my, my box sets because I used to do a staggered thing with my, with my earlier books. And now I think all my books are the same once they launch. So I'm going to have to do a higher price for the, for the first box set of each one. But, uh, it's a comfortable spot for me right now. I don't see that having to go up anytime in the future. I should say, I don't know how much return on investment I'll get by, by raising those prices because, you know, you make more per sale, but you sell fewer one. And I haven't done the math. I haven't, done the AB testing to see how many fewer I'll, I'll uh, sell at a higher price point. But uh, yeah, for now, I'm, I'm probably going to leave it at $4.99 for my, my standard book price for a while. And yeah, actually, I mean, this is a fun, a fun topic to discuss. I'd love to hear what our listeners think and, and based, you know, the experiences that they've had. Um, about two years ago, I raised the standard price for my novels from three ninety nine to four ninety nine. dollars um, Actually, no, that's not true. But I actually dropped my novels to two ninety nine, Um, And I did it basically just to see, you know, somebody was like, how do you know what the optimal price of your eBooks is if you don't test things out for a, you know, significant period of time? And so I set the price at two ninety nine for two months and then at three ninety nine for two months and then four ninety nine. dollars um, at 2.99, I saw a significant drop in royalties, and that that hurt. <laughs> it's like, dang it, ah, I'm losing money. Um, and then between 3.99 and 4.99, 4.99 made me the most. Um, I've considered dropping back to 3.99 since more people are buying at that point. But what I noticed during when I, when I was running these little studies was um, I didn't have more people. I mean, I had more people buying that first book, maybe, but I didn't have. I mean, the read through wasn't as good as when it was at four ninety nine. And I, you know, my my hypothesis is maybe people when they spent more, they were more invested, um, which kind of makes it sound like my book should be better. <laughs> I don't know, but um, uh, yeah. So who knows? It might be time to run another study. I don't know. But uh, when it comes to print, I don't move enough copies for price changes to make a difference. Like if people want to buy my books, they buy them really expensive and they buy them cheaply. And I I've never ever seen like my print books do better when I've dropped the price, you know, and even when I had them at where I was, they were so low where I was only making 10 cents a purchase. And so I don't have any plans to change things there anytime soon, just because they don't really move the needle. I did just recently have somebody, two people buy every single print book I've ever written in one go, which that doesn't happen very often for me. Usually people buy the eBooks. And so it was noticeable, you know, cause I'm like, like, you know, $150 in royalties from print in one day. I'm like, that's not normal for me. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But my novels are usually between $9.99 and $16.99. And that's, I mean, it hasn't stopped people from buying or downloading, or maybe it has, and I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm in the same spot as Joe with paperbacks is that I set them when I set them and I haven't gone back and look at the older ones. So I'm actually not sure 
I'm kind of curious now. I'm going to have to go back and look because I, I kind of used to sell them just like a dollar, make it so I'd make a dollar. So I've shifted uh, kind of like Andrea. I didn't notice that if people were going to buy the paperbacks, they were going to buy them. They didn't really care that much about the price. So now I try to give myself as much of a royalty on the paperbacks as on the eBooks, just so it's not like, so in the past I'd say, well, please just buy the eBook. It's better for me. It's better for you. You should do it. But I, I do have some readers that have for whatever um, issues that I have, the paperbacks are easier for them to read from. Um, but yeah, for eBooks, yeah, I, I actually did raise the price, um, about three years ago. And it was actually because of my Patreon more than any thoughts on like inflation or anything like that. I, I set the levels on Patreon as uh, $5 is where you get my books. There's like a $5, a $10 level, uh, a $25 level for anybody that really is feeling generous that month. Um, but so I wanted the $5 level on Patreon to basically be a $4.99 book on Amazon. So I started going from almost everything was $3.99 unless it was longer. Uh, and I just kind of started doing everything at $4.99. So I didn't feel like the Patreon people were paying extra really, except a penny. Um, cause I wanted everything to feel fair. And I found that going from $3.99 to $4.99 didn't seem to disturb anybody. I do feel like going from $4.99 to $5.99 is a little more of a jump. It's another one of those psychological things like suddenly something's five dollars it's more expensive than 4.99 you know i think there i'm sure there's studies you know we were talking about 99 cents is a key thing 4.99 is kind of a program thing 9.99 and you start getting above those years you maybe have to think about it a little bit more i i do have one or two really long books at 5.99 um it sometimes you have to you can a b test it Sometimes you just might have to make the decision like, I, I am going to, this is what I'm pricing my books at. Unless you see a huge difference, uh, maybe that's okay. Since I publish so often, I, I don't feel the need to go more expensive. Like if I only did one or two a year, I, I was only asking people to pay, so let's say $7.99 twice a year. That probably would be something I'd consider. But since I publish some, so many books and I have readers that buy everything, I don't necessarily want them to have to spend $60 a year just to get all my eBooks. <laughs> like that's a, that's a lot. Um, some, for some people it's not, but for a lot of readers, uh, you know, especially the people that do do uh, Kindle unlimited, it's usually a budgetary choice for them. So you have to be conscious too of uh, what readers can pay, uh, especially if you are on Amazon exclusive and not in the libraries with your eBooks. Although I try to at least get the paperbacks and audiobooks now are non-exclusive and, and going into the li libraries. All right. Last question on this topic. And I've actually seen this already in the last few years, but do you feel that as advertising costs are climbing, uh, books will kind of have to become more expensive so that authors aren't all in the red? Uh, like I said, to some extent, this has occurred, I would say, since AW or not AWS, AMS, what are, what are they just calling themselves? Amazon, Amazon advertising these days. Um, I feel like the last three years, maybe or four years, whenever that came about, you used to see a lot more 99 cent and like 299 books, at least in the sci-fi and fantasy categories. And I I think that between that and Kindle Unlimited, where people have the option to get it with their subscription and don't have to plunk down $5 every time, I've seen definitely seen the prices go up and there's a lot more uh, fantasy and sci-fi books at $3.99, $4.99, and even more. Um, what do you guys think? Um, are we going to be forced to raise prices just to uh, stay in the black? That's what we want to be, right? You want yeah. to be in the black. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as as the, the the cost to produce your product increases, then you have to increase the price of your product. And you know, 
like it or not, advertising is an almost essential part of the process. It's not 100% essential, but you're going to not be seeing the amount of success that a, an advertiser will. Um, and I think that like, like as that happens and as the, the overall prices start to drift upward, I think we're going to see stuff like uh, discount prices start to oscillate into effectiveness again. Like we talk about how free is not as effective as it once was, but it still is somewhat effective. And so I think as the, you know, as, as the average price of a book goes from five bucks or so to seven or $8 or so, then discounting a book down to $5 or from five to three, people are going to feel that that's a better deal. So I feel like you're going to, there's going to be like these waves of, uh, of discounts being more effective and better golden spots for where discounts uh, are, are going to fall. So I feel like if we do see the overall prices rising, then there's going to be this period of calibration for how to, how to run promos uh, each time the average price goes a little higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, the Calibus reports that I usually download, they generally show that the average price of books has raised a bit. Um, I think a, cu- a couple of times, maybe I've seen that prices on books have gone down, but on average and overall, the prices have gone up a little bit. And by going up, it's usually like $1. <laughs> it's not, it's not a huge amount of going up, which is kind of in some ways disappointing. I don't know. You know, there's this whole being an indie author means selling your books for cheaper, but it's nice to be able to make more per sell, you know? And so if, if the general readership would be willing to accept a slightly higher priced book, it would be nice. You know, it would be nice to do that, um, to have a slightly higher priced book. Um, but I don't see why things won't change. And like I said earlier, the one constant with publishing is changed and especially indie publishing, things are constantly changing. Um, on one hand, it makes sense to raise prices to continue making money. But on the other hand, I'm, there's still a valid argument, you know, about beating your competitor, beating your competitor. I like to be my competitor, uh, with lower prices. Um, again, like I said earlier, I'd like to hear what our listeners think on this, just, you know, the hive mind or whatever. Yeah, I think it's still true that a lot of us, our biggest advantage with self-publishing was that we could price at $0.99 cents or $2.99. And here was traditional publishing at $9.99 and up with eBooks. Like I was looking at something the other day that was like a 20-year-old book that was $12.99, I think. I was like, what? <laughs> You're supposed to discount old books, aren't you? Like, I still feel that's a lot for an eBook. I don't know. You can get so much you can get a whole Netflix subscription for the month for that, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it does seem like there's room. We could still be less expensive uh, than traditional publishing and be a little more uh, above that $3.99, $4.99 the mark. But yeah, if you guys want to chime in in the Six Figure Authors Facebook group, we'd love to hear what you have to say. All right, let's get into these advertising questions. Part two of the show. Some of these are now probably two months old. So sorry about that, guys. Hopefully you haven't been waiting to plan out things <laughs> for us to answer them. Um, but DL asks, how do you scale a, success- a successful Amazon ad? I've never heard a good answer on this. Uh, yeah, scaling uh, Amazon ads uh, was my biggest issue in the beginning. Like I gave it a try early on when it first came when it, when it first no longer required exclusivity. I gave it a try. And the thing that turned me off was that I was I was able to make some successful uh, uh, ads, but I just could not make them like I couldn't bring them to the next level no matter how hard I tried. Um I still I mean I've gotten 
uh, I've come back to them, but I haven't come back to them uh, with a great amount of, uh, not success, but I haven't come back to them with a great amount of experience yet. So I can't weigh in too much. But back then, the only option I had was to run multiple similar ads. I found that ads that were fairly similar behaved in a fairly similar way. Sometimes there was that weird one that would outperform the other with a very, very small change. And that was great. Uh, but generally speaking, if similar, similar ads would perform similarly. So I would, I would run multiple ads simultaneously, either completely identical or very slightly tweaked, which was also, by the way, AV testing, uh, which is useful to do. Uh, and that would allow me to sort of geometrically increase, but it was a lot of work to do it that way. Uh, nowadays it's easier to get them to spend more money just by raising bids, but you have to keep your eye on the, on the ROI because it's not a proportional scale. You start to, you have to watch the top of that curve flatten out and decide exactly how much you want to be getting back on the ads. Yeah, that's kind of my experience too. Like the first couple years Amazon ads were around, I also struggled to kind of get ones that would work and if they did work, how to scale them up. Now, yeah, it's really generally no problem getting things to scale up if I just bid more. Um, but right, yeah, there lies the rub, right? Also, your book has to be converting well compared to those of your peers. We've talked about this before, but it's possible that you can bid to the sky and not get that many impressions because it's not converting well. So Amazon stops showing it. Um, but on the flip side, you can also be bidding less than the suggested bid and be in the, you know, on that first page page of first page of the carousel <laughs> carousels have pages right guys um you know and you're at because your ads are converting super well there and by that i just mean they're getting clicked a lot uh, amazon i don't know that they really care if you get a sale they just they're like ah, lots of clicks that's good for us um yeah i'll pass it to andrea if you have some thoughts on that too yeah. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of, a lot to add to the Amazon discussion since I mostly focus on Facebook ads, but for, I figure, you know, a lot of people who do Facebook ads have that same question. And so I'm going to answer it as if it had been asked for Facebook. <laughs> um, so the best way to scale a Facebook ad is around 25 to 30% every few days. When I had a Facebook, um, person, whatever they're, those people were called, you know, the people that help you with your Facebook ads. Um, I, I would have them, um, they, they told me to scale 20% every five days. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I would do that between 25 and 30%. I found that I could be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more, uh, what's the word risky than what they recommended. And that was fine. But, um, um, I have heard every two days to every five days, every week, uh, I generally scaled about once a week and then I would stop around $10 to $12. And at that point I would either create a totally different ad or I would duplicate the ad that was working really well and was being scaled. So, and then by doing that, then, you know, things were fine or better or whatever, you know, the end, I can't think it's English today. I did just want to add before we move on that if you've got a really small set of keywords that you're using on to that could be part of the problem. Like you're just, you're being shown as many times as that keyword is being searched for, but it's only being searched for so often. So that could be another thing to look at. You may need to add more keywords or, you know, take another stab at something else, uh, especially if you just kind of picked like, these are the 10 authors that I most like and that I want to be in there also bots. Uh, so something else to consider. All right. Next question. All right. Aster uh, says, optimizing auto ads. Uh, and I'm also curious about Robert Ryan's method of bidding high on super relevant ASINs and, and uh, to stimulate the Amazon recommendation engine. 
All right. I answered this about six weeks ago, so I'm kind of just going to read my answer because I forgot what I said. Um, but I think with auto ads, pretty much bid price is the only thing you've got to tinker with and let that, assuming you're not writing copy. Um, you know, if you're writing copy, then it, you can try a few different ones and kind of do the AB testing, cut the losers and then let your winners ride. Um, I've not gotten as granular as Ryan talks about with the ASINs, uh, which is basically targeting a specific ebook of a popular author's title. Uh, he, I remember he talked about it in that book specifically. So you would just show up on the ebook. You'd be targeting the ebook and not on their paperback pages. Um, I did get pretty specific when I first launched my Death Before Dragon series. Um, I targeted, like, I wanted to target specifically Ilana Andrews. Kate Daniel series because I thought they would be kind of similar readers, kind of same flavor of books. And I was also hoping to uh, show up uh, in her also bought somewhere. But the problem, the problem with that was that when you target somebody that's really popular and has a huge backlist of their own, that's what's going to show up in the also bots. So you'd be lucky to get on page 17. Um, as far as, and the also bots, as we talked about before, I think we got the episode with David Gogren who talks about that. They are kind of what stimulates, it's kind of the same ties into the recommendation engine. Um, but it can be worth trying to bid more. Uh, you're probably not going to blow through much money if you're bidding on a handful of specific books because there won't be that many people comparatively searching for that based, uh, compared to like doing a whole category, just letting auto run, auto ads run. But what I found, like I said, what I found with these popular authors of this, they have so many other books and they're usually tied in with like a lot of other trad published authors, assuming you're looking at a trad published author. So it's really hard to dislodge those books that, you know, they'll be on like Goodreads lists together that are, that come up in search results, like top epic fantasy novels. And so you'll see those same authors will also be in the also bots each other because they just have a long history of being bought together. Um, so this might work better on less popular books, indie books versus trad stuff, but then it's a question of it's even worth it. I, I don't know. I don't, I feel like I'm not making a whole lot of sense. And people who didn't read that book are going to be like, uh, what are you talking about? But it's sort of like trying to target one popular author and start showing up in their also bots and be recommended to their fans by Amazon. Do you guys have any further thoughts on that? I uh, can't add too much, except that I'll say when it comes to uh, uh, optimizing, I will use uh, occasionally, and I've only done this a handful of times, but you can certainly see the usefulness of it. Uh, you can use an auto-add to optimize a non-auto-add, because once an, an auto-add's been running for a while, you can go into the stats and see which search terms are getting the clicks and which other, you know, which books are getting the clicks and then do some legwork to find similar things and then put together your own non-auto, like an actual targeted ad using that base information. Uh, so using their algorithm to find out what their algorithm wants is a way to uh, sort of micro-optimize your own ads if you really feel like trying to put together your own ads. And I don't really have a lot to add to this since I still have to check out his method. I actually hadn't even heard of his book or him before this question. So I'm like, how is that for great? <laughs> well, and it's been a good year since I read it. And we have asked him to come on the show and he's shy, but he has a Facebook group. If you want to read his book and join it, I think the link's in there and he answers questions there. I don't know if he's shy. He could just hate us. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say he's shy because that's cooler. <laughs> that makes us look cooler. <laughs> <laughs> he's shy. He's like, oh, I couldn't possibly be on your show. <laughs> okay. Um, Ryan, not related to Robert Ryan, said, a key thing for me is ad graphics for fantasy books. I've seen plenty of examples for romance and thrill thriller, but literally none for fantasy. It would be great to get an idea of successful ad 
All right. Uh, great idea. You cut off there with a mute. Uh, great idea of successful ad graphics. So I don't do a ton of the graphical stuff. It's sort of why I've not done well at BookBub ads when I've tried it. I, I've had my cover designers put some together for me to try them, but it's not something I enjoy jumping into Canva or book brush and tinkering with ads. It's like, okay, I could be writing a book right now. Um, but for fantasy specifically, uh, Chris Fox has done some talks on sort of the symbology of fantasy and, and he's talked about other genres too, but I remember specifically, you know, he talks about the things that those of us that kind of grew up reading epic fantasy or something is like what we look for, uh, dragons, castles, swords, the lone warrior and a cloak heading off into some epic scenery. Uh, so I would go hunt for YouTube, hunt on YouTube for his talks. I, I don't remember exactly what they're called, but he's done a few on that. I think he may bring it up in one of his books. You'll just have to read them all to find out which one. Um, but yeah, you want to look for, you probably know if you're familiar with the genre, you can think of all the covers that you've seen and stuff that actually speaks to you that because maybe you grew up reading and you're like, oh yeah, the guy with the cloak and the sword on the hilltop and his cloak is like in the wind <laughs> and, he, and there's a castle in the distance and a dragon in the sky. Uh, definitely go for that kind of thing on a cover versus I'm going to be creative and do something completely original, uh, which I've actually done. <laughs> to make success. But yeah, you just, if you look to it at your top 100s in your category, in your genres, you'll probably see that the same stuff that people are using on covers is probably going to be a good bet for using that same kind of symbology on, on the graphical ads. I'll pass it off. Uh, back when I was doing more tinkering and experimenting with ads, and this was mostly with Facebook at the time, uh, I would try all sorts of different ad images. Uh, also, uh, Bookbub, I did some some ad image stuff, but my informal experience was that the cover the cover illustrations for my books and my books are almost uniformly they they have illustrated covers. Uh, they tended to do better. The illustration itself tended to do better than the book cover. That's to say, the illustration plus the title and the author. So, uh, I mean, book covers work surprisingly well. They tell you not to use them, but uh, you'd be surprised at how well if you have a compelling book cover, it will work just as your ad graphic. Uh, that said, it, it doesn't work quite as well as, a, you know, a, a compelling illustration by itself. It doesn't automatically look like it's trying to sell you something. So uh, the illustrations are usually, in my case, uh, for fancy stuff, it's dragons, wizards, big fancy trees. The things that you imagine that your, uh, your, your fancy books are going to have. Uh, and I found that those illustrations, you know, did better uh when that's what they were when they were just the standard fantasy stuff and if my cover didn't include that and some of my covers have you know much more plot relevant stuff sometimes i would use an illustration of a dragon a wizard or a big fancy tree because i have a lot of them and again they were they were working very well so i guess i'm saying use wizards uh dragons and big fancy trees but uh, i was commissioning a ton of art at the time uh so i just had a ton of art laying around. So it was easy for me to find stuff that was appropriate without having to pay for it. Getting these things via stock photos and stock art is trickier. There's one specific dragon statue that I have seen on so many collection covers because it must be one of the only stock photos of a dragon available. So everybody ends up using it. But um, so if you don't, you know, if you want to stand out, you might have to either pay for an illustration or uh, just a, uh, uh, have something, you know, like find someone selling an illustration or have something commissioned. Uh, you can't, by the way, just go and find a picture online and use that because copyright, copyright, you, you can't just use stuff you find online. People have been bit by that a lot. Uh, 
So yeah, the best answer I can give you is if you have a good cover and you can get it without text, try using your cover without text. Uh, and make sure the slice that you're using uh, is a good uh, composition. Uh, if you have your, your cover made, it's probably composed such that it's supposed to look like a book cover. And if you take a little horizontal slice, which might be the better shape for your advertisement, then you're going to have something that looks just a little off. There's, there's a lot of empty space on the side and there's a, there's too much, you know, in the center or off to the side. So if you have a sense for good composition, try to crop it such that the composition works. Uh, otherwise, if you can't do that with your cover or if your cover doesn't really fit in the pocket of the genre, then yeah, either get something commissioned, which it's going to have to either be something you reuse frequently or it's going to have to be a very successful ad for that to pay for itself or you know, go through the, the limited available stock imagery and use something like that. That, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, my recommendation is kind of along those same lines, but in my own words, so that it kind of cements the idea in. Um, my fantasy ads on Facebook have all performed much, much, much better by using an image with the same model as the book cover and with the magic, the same type of magic on the book cover, um, kind of basically swirling around that model. So the book cover, but not formatted like a book cover, like what Joe was saying, you know, because you don't want it to have those weird blanks, sides and tops and bottoms. And, and, and like you saying, it can be kind of awkward looking if it's just a crop from the book cover. Um, but if someone reminds me in the Facebook group, I will post like my Facebook images, you know, the ad images that I've worked that I've used that have worked really, really well. And then I'll also post the book cover. So you guys kind of see what I've used that has, has been successful for me when I'm advertising to paranormal fantasy and urban fantasy. Um, a lot of cover designers will also either allow you to create an ad based on the cover and they don't care if you tinker around with things or they'll do it for you for not a huge fee. Um, you know, like $75 or $50 or even for free. I've had a couple cover designers who, who did it for me for free. Um, graphics are tough. Um, but honestly, the best thing I ever did for my Facebook group or Facebook group for my Facebook ads graphics was like the genre and the authors related to my books on Facebook. And then wait a little bit for the algorithms to kick up and then screenshot every single ad that came through my newsfeed, even the bad ones. Um, because even like the ones that turned me off, because I would then research those authors and their books being advertised and not just one that was being advertised through that ad, but all of their books. And I check out the ranking to see if the ad was actually working. And then their reviews again, not just on that book, but all their books to see if they know what they're doing because a because an author who has one successful book that they're running one ad to doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they know exactly what they're doing because it could be that they hit on something that readers really want that one time. But if they have a lot of successful books with a lot of reviews, um, it usually means that they know what they're doing. Um, and then I test out similar things. So what are they doing with their ads, you know, with their graphic? How is that? How can you take that and apply it to your own situation? Um, what I found for urban fantasy is like what I said above. Um, and if they didn't use the cover, they would use images that could have been a cover all on its own. So they were emotional. They were magical. They had lots of bright and dark parts, you know, the chiaroscuro, um, they had attractive people, they had movement and it just caught people's attention. And so just, you know, just pay attention to what people are doing and then it could become expensive, but again, it doesn't have to be expensive. You can use, you can find stock photo images and you can also go to the book cover design marketplace and ask for designers to design something for you. And it doesn't have to cost a whole lot of money. 
Uh, Andrea, a quick follow-up question for you, because I know you've done a lot more on Facebook. Do you find that the the ads that are basically like, it's the cover, but it's in a box with like five stars and a little blurb, you know, kind of like the BookBub one ad, BookBub, BookBub does. Do you find that those work pretty well? Because those are pretty easy to do in Canva, just using your cover and whatever. I mean, I don't know how well the average person's will look. I know mine don't look good because <laughs> I don't have those skills. But I was curious because I like, I love the idea of having the having it look like a book in the ad because I don't want people clicking on it if they're not going to read a book, you know, because I feel like if it's not a book, if it's not clearly a book, people are just like, oh, a fancy elf tree. <laughs> What's this about? It could be a game. It could be a movie. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Um, honestly, I think I've had about I've done a lot of those ads because you know how I like to test my book covers out fully, you know, the whole thing just to see how they do. Um, I've had some of those do really, really surprisingly well, but it's been about 10 to 15% of them. Um, and Amazon, Facebook, not Amazon, Facebook still kind of has a little bit, they don't penal, they don't penalize texts. They say they don't anymore, but they're generally more expensive. And so whether that's because people are on their phones and the book cover's too small for them to see, or they're not impressed by five stars, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I, again, I found that if the image is like right up close and personal and very evocative and very emotional, then, then readers pay better attention than if it's just the book cover, you know, which is, yeah. I mean, when BookBub ads started coming out, we were all like, those don't work on Facebook, but they work well on BookBub. So, because that's probably because the format is similar to what BookBub's format is. This is why I just default to doing Amazon ads most of the time. I don't even have the right copy for them anymore. It's great, but I pay a premium. I will fully admit because I ran some Facebook ads uh, for the Witch one when it came out, and you know it was like a third of the price of the Amazon to get showed. I mean, I couldn't get as it didn't convert nearly as well. You know, because I threw in my affiliate links. I still haven't been banned for doing that because probably because I don't run many Facebook ad campaigns, so they haven't found out yet. I'm not raking in the money from that. But um, yeah, so you got to pick your thing. If you enjoy tinkering with graphics, uh, yeah, you can get less expensive clicks out there on other sites besides Amazon. All right, let's move on. And these are, got two here. This is not questions, but just kind of a comments for discussion, I guess. Uh, first one, this is from Rick. It says, not a question so much as a sharing of my experience. If you don't know how to do ads, don't double down on what's been losing you money. Find another way. I was doing okay until 2018, 2019. And then my return on ad investment started going way down. Things had changed and I hadn't changed with them. So I stopped all my ads, stepped back and tried something different. Uh, follow up from my Eileen. That happened to me too. In April 2010, nope, April 2019, when default bids went from 25 cents to 85 cents, it changed the game. I didn't change with it and lost traction. Luckily, I changed and relearned in October 2019, and I've tried to keep up with the changes since then. So I'd ask, how do you find time to continually keep up with all the changes, new features, and types of ads out there? Or do you feel that with a large following, your ads aren't as essential as for a new author? I guess I'll answer this one first. Uh, I will say that once you've got a fan base and people who will buy your books, uh, they're on your newsletter, they're going to buy them when they come out, no matter what. Um, you can probably coast a little bit more on ads, but there always is going to be some attrition. So it's a good idea to try to, you know, try to, like with every new series launch, if, if not with every book, uh, to try to attract new readers and continue to grow your audience. Uh, also, if you're a genre hopper, like some people on this podcast, uh, then ads can be pretty critical. 
pretty crucial. Like if I finish off a sci-fi series and my, you know, I've been working on that for a year and my readers have been reading along, buying all the new books. And then I launch book one in an epic fantasy series. And I'm just relying only on my existing readers for sales. I'm going to be kind of hosed as far as the, we talked about the also bots and how that powers the rec- Amazon recommendation engines. Um, because Amazon's not going to know who the audience is for because all these people that like uh, space opera, they went and bought this epic fantasy book. And so it's probably going to say, Oh, we'll send it to the other space opera people and nobody will click. So I, I do think it's good to continue tinkering with things. And, you know, as far as finding time, I probably spend a lot less time than you would think on this stuff. I tend to do it only when I launch a new series, I will definitely set up new ads, try things. Then I cut off whatever's costing a lot or not working or not worth it. Usually I, you know, I might have ads running to like three different book ones at every any given time. I've kind of found the stuff that's in KU converts better, obviously, with the Amazon ads, and it's more worth doing. And then with the other series, I tend to just try to every now and then I'll do like a free book see, a sale on a book one. I don't get that many book bubs anymore, but I still shoot for those when I can get them. Um, but as far as, you know, following things, you maybe just, you have like, after you just plan with your book launch, I'm going to spend some time trying to tinker with the ads for this new series. Uh, you know, when you're launching a book five, maybe you don't care at that point, you've got some readers hopefully, and you just run like the free book C or the bargain book C, uh, Robin reads, whatever those sites on the book one, when you launch the book, um, it's really up to you how much time you want to spend in it. I feel like it's tough anymore not to do any advertising if you want to get readers and be seen. Not impossible, but you know, you kind of you're gonna to have to invest a lot of time in doing other methods of promotion and that's kind of back to finding the time. Um as for Rick's comment, I'm not sure I would agree with swearing off ads completely if they're not working for you. Uh definitely sure take a break and try some other things. I don't think Rick actually mentioned what, what other successful thing he found that worked better for him. Um but you know like with maybe with the next series you launch you want to try ads again. Um uh, in part, it's a learning process, but you'll also find that some of your series, some genres, some of your book ones are going to be closer to what the market wants. And that's going to cause the, the books to convert better, like more sales once people see the cover and the blur, but it's also going to cause the ads to convert better. Uh, for whatever reason, that cover really appeals to people because you had the fancy elf tree or the dragon or the, th- the symbology was correct to kind of appeal to the reader. And so the ad will work better uh, on some series, book ones and on other series, but you won't know that unless you kind of tried them all to some extent. Uh, as someone who was never huge on ads and then swore off them entirely for a while, I would not recommend you completely swearing off ads or completely abandoning them as a, as a thing for very long. Uh, if you've ever had any aptitude for ads, if your ads were ever successful, uh, certainly keep an eye on them and don't throw money at something that's not making you money. But if you see that they're starting to slip, I would suggest uh, scaling down and reassessing uh, to try to make them profitable again, rather than stopping entirely. Uh, it is... When I completely stopped advertising, uh, my, sale, my sales slipped a lot, and it is a lot easier to keep sales going than to start them up, uh, start them up again. So, uh, if again, if you've ever had successful ads uh, and you find that they're starting to slip, taking the time then to figure out how to get them uh, profitable again, I would say is preferable to doing cold turkey for a while. And I'll, I guess that's. 
I don't really have anything else to say on that. Just, yeah, make sure, make sure that, uh, they're not losing money, but try to keep them going rather than cutting them completely off because going to zero can, can be really, really tough. Yeah, I agree with that. It's harder to start from zero than to start from like 20% and all that. Um, and as to how to keep things going, I pay attention where possible to what others are doing. And I also tend to get surprised a lot. <laughs> I'm not running any high risk ads right now. So that helps, but I made the mistake in the beginning going back to, was it Steven? I think that was what his name was, right? Rick. No, not Steven. Rick. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. Um, I made the mistake in the beginning of pushing harder when my ads weren't working, like pushing harder on those ads themselves. I'm like, well, maybe I just need to put more money towards them. And, um, don't, don't be tempted to do that. Uh, if you aren't getting a good cost per click, so like between $0 per click, right. <laughs> and say 25 cents, maybe, maybe up to 50 cents, depending on how your ROI is. Um, don't push that ad more tinker around a bit and find out where the fallout is happening. So is it like the text? Is it the image? Is it the book cover on the product page? Is it the description, the reviews, et cetera? And just I mean, sometimes it's just all these things that have to, all these things have to be put into place perfectly in order for ads to work and don't get discouraged. Just recognize that. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, it could possibly take a little while to figure it out, but you've got time. We all have time. You know, the world's not ending tomorrow. At least I hope it's not because I kind of want to finish the built-in bookshelves I'm building right now. (laughs) All right. Uh, Kristen asks how to spread your advertising budget across all the many platforms and ad types, AMS, social media, pay-per-click, paid newsletters, et cetera. I feel like the pay-per-click stuff is always going to be the most capital intensive. So keep that in mind. Like I will not pay for clicks to free books. I just like, I've, I've seen people recommend it. I'm like, no, I'm paying a fortune then, uh, in order to like get 200 downloads of a free book. Uh, whereas I find that the newsletter ones are great for free books. Uh, like I said, if you can get a book club, great, but you know, a lot of the other ones you can do fussy librarian, e-reader today, e-reader news today. You know, there's some lists out there uh, of the various different sites and it may not get you, tons of tons of downloads or tons of sales as uh, may not get you as much as it used to but i find that they get me more for that money than spending an equal amount on ads i gotta pay that 25 cents a click andrea where are you getting these on amazon and urban fantasy 25 cents a click not gonna get you nothing not on uh, amazon just facebook, facebook. okay <laughs> um but yeah your mileage may vary so do some experimenting um if it was me and this was how I did it for a long time. It's really only in the last couple of years I've started letting ads run all the time. Um, I would kind of save my money and focus it on the two weeks around the launch, do kind of blow it all then to do as much as possible in the hopes of getting enough sales to kind of spur on continuing organic sales uh, on these sites. And, you know, whether that happens or not, it, it's going to depend again, on how we've talked about some series are a little closer to what people are wanting. Uh, so they'll kind of tend to do better after you give them that push. Uh, other ones are just going to stop and they'll just fall off. So uh, it is hard. You do have to experiment to kind of figure it out. Um, that said, I've certainly seen people say they do their $5 a day to keep sales trickling in and they stand by that and it works for them. So, you know, uh, we've talked about before, just be careful with spending more than you're making. Like the hard part is, and we've talked about how, if you have a longer, if you have an eight book series, you can afford to lose money, basically advertising book one. Whereas if you have a trilogy, it's going to be a little harder. And if you only have one book, I I would say probably don't do pay-per-click ads. Um, Nonfiction may be different, especially if you're doing something where 
your pricing more like $7.99 or $9.99. You can probably make that work, but it's going to be hard on a $3.99 book to ever break even or make money on a uh, on the pay-per-click stuff. Uh, I'll pass it to Joe now for thoughts. When I'm doing hardcore ads, which is normally at the beginning of a, of a around the launch of a, of a book, particularly a launch of a new series, I basically take two buckets and I spread my money equally amongst them. And one bucket is Amazon slash Facebook advertising. And the other one is featured ads, paid newsletters. And I will do the featured ads, paid newsletters up front. And I will like around the, the one or two weeks surrounding the, the release. And then I will do the Amazon Facebook stuff low and slow over the course of the rest of the month, juicing it sometimes if I feel like it's being particularly effective. But that's, that's my budgeting strategy. Um, and as for me, I don't, I mean, um, let's see. Um, it depends on what level the author is. If they're just starting out or have less than 10, I, I always recommend starting with paid promotional sites, you know, like Robin Reads, et cetera. Um, the amount of money and work that goes into making as, de- as deliver a profit isn't always worth it unless you have enough books. Um, and all of my biggest promotions include everything I've mastered. So promotional sites, newsletter promotions, you know, like my own newsletter list, um, swaps, Facebook ads, Amazon ads through Nolan because he's cool. Um, and giveaways, you know, I've talked about giveaways before. Uh, you'll notice that the more often you use the promotional sites for book results do go down for that book, but this is when cycling through things can help immensely. Uh, so having a lot of books to cycle, you know, you know, you have a lot of first and series and things like that. It's not a bad idea to run a promotion every month or every quarter to a different book, focusing on each book only once a year. And that's something that happens as you write more books. And so again, we always give the advice, write more books. Things are so much easier when you have more books published. My, my stupid thing, I kept hitting the Alt-A, Alt-A. I'm like, it's not Alt-A-ing. <laughs> Turning the stupid mute off. It's just automatic for me to hit mute after I'm done talking. Okay, Steven says, one, if you have similar series within the same subgenre, do you put them in one ad or separate them? What about books within the same series? Do you advertise all books or just book one and the new release? If you do separate them, are you using the same keywords or different keywords across ad sets? And I don't see a number two in there. <laughs> Um, so it's usually best to focus on one thing at a time in an ad. The worst thing you can do is have an ad where it's not clear what you want people to do and and thus advertising two books or two series or even two similar ones can lead people to stop and have to figure out what's going on when they click on the ad or when they're reading the ad and anything that makes somebody stop and have to think, uh, is gives them an opportunity to change their mind or, or click away. So I would say if you're advertising more than one thing, it's better to do two smaller ads uh, to the individual products than try to do a combo ad. For a series, uh, focus advertising on book one, or that's what I do. Uh, You can run ads to a series page, which can be successful. Um, I would say advertising multiple things in the same ad is okay in that case because you're treating the series as a whole as one focus for the ad. So, uh, yeah, unless you're doing the entire series, I would say any given ad should only be for one thing. I forgot you can add advertise to a series page. Now I need to play with that for some of my complete series. So obviously I just advertise my book ones or starter bundles with most of my books. You can't really start in the middle of the series without being confused. So I basically never add 
you know, never run ads on like a book four or something. Um, I did once see one author doing ads for their whole series. And it was kind of amusing because he managed to take up the whole carousel on somebody else's book that I was looking at. He had like book one, book two, book three, you know, in this series. So if you're trying to drive out the competition, maybe, but um, that would be pretty expensive. So I doubt you could do it for long. Um, I haven't even seen ads from that person for a while. So I don't know how well it, it worked in the end. Uh, on keywords, I'll try to hit different things with different series. I really have two super similar series running at once, though. Um, I haven't tried to lump... I know you can do carousel ads on book... Uh, not book... Facebook have not tried those. So maybe somebody else, uh, I guess Andrea is after me. Uh, I, again, I, I would shy away from that just because like I said, you cannot really jump into the middle of my series and I wouldn't do, I think ads for like multiple series or yeah, I wouldn't put books from multiple book ones into one ad. I think it's just, you want to sort of do actually go the opposite direction, have as many ads as you know, you can stomach so that you can really kind of test them, see which book converts the best, uh, you know, which costs the the least uh, and is effective. And so the more tests, smaller tests you have on on different things, different books, different series is going to kind of let you after time with time, you'll see like, Oh, that ad worked really great. And that book is my, you know, that's my King. That one always does good. And it's hard to tell that if you have everything mashed together. It's true. Um, I don't run ads to later books in a series unless it's using a custom audience on Facebook to people who are already on my fan page or newsletter list. And um, that's possible if you have enough people on your newsletter list that doesn't, it's not, or on your fan page. Um, Those ads have a quick life though. They aren't sustainable. I can't do that for more than a week or two at a time. Um, I run as to book one and the, and the box set one. So, you know, books one through three for my series, I haven't yet run as to a series page though. That's also a good idea. I've seen people do that successfully, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you do that though, you'll want to have readers leave reviews there too, which is the main reason I haven't done it yet because I haven't had time to focus on, on asking people to post reviews there. Um, asking people to post reviews on a series page, it's not there. Readers are not going to think to do that automatically, uh, like they would an individual book. And so that's something you're going to have to tackle separately from everything else, which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means that you should take it into account the amount of time that it will take to do that. Um, I would personally use the same keywords. There's no sense in creating more work for yourself, unless you want to test things out, in which case use different keywords for the same book or the same keywords for different books, then decide which is best. Uh, I have uh, actually been surprised to find reviews on my series pages or not surprised, but like the readers knew they could do that before I knew that was a thing now. Uh, but that's a good point that if you did want to advertise to those, you should probably try to get some reviews for the series on there first. All right. I think we have just one question left. Yay. It's over an hour. <laughs> uh, it's from Christy. Best strategies for advertising wide. Do you use Goodreads? How worth it is it hard to be? How worth it is it to be a part of Facebook reader groups? Uh, so first off, I will do giveaways on Goodreads a couple times a year. Since the, but since they got taken over by Amazon, I'm not really sure how well that works. You can only give away books on Amazon <laughs> or eBooks anyway. Uh, obviously, if you're doing paperbacks, you can send them out. They can be for readers from any store. Um, but yeah, and I pick the uh, giveaway 100. You know, I'm I'm doing my 
series starters, either book one or the like books one through three in a series, just in the hope of getting readers. And I think those are $1.99 or $5.99 for kind of the deluxe version of the giveaway right now. It's one of those things, it's a little hard to quantify how helpful it is for me at this point, since I get reviews and on Goodreads anyway, it's hard for me to go, Oh, obviously I got a big boost in, you know, sales and reviews after doing that Goodreads giveaway. But, um, that is something you can try. I'm not too aware of uh, Goodreads advertising right now that you can do. I know, uh, for traditional publishers, or if you want to email them, I think you can get something for to advertise in their newsletters per pretty expensive. They were actually one of the first people to have a pay-per-click program many years ago. I remember paying to advertise like 10 years ago, my first book, trying to get it out there, but they got rid of that. I believe, uh, Facebook reader groups, or with Facebook, oh, as far as advertising uh, wide, the strategies with Facebook, you can send readers to any site. Uh, obviously, when we're talking about selling advertising on Amazon, we're only going to be selling books on Amazon for those. But with Facebook, you can target the Apple iOS people. Um, it is, there's sort of the stuff that's come out now with Apple. So it's a little harder to really specifically target people for some stuff. A- Apple's added the privacy, you know, do you want to be tracked across the web or not? And most people are like, no, I don't want to be tracked. So things are not as far as like retargeting people. Like if they visited your website, I'm not sure you can still show ads to them if they're Apple people anyway. Um, but yeah, and BookPub too, you can point, you don't have to send them to Amazon at all. You can pick the sites that you want to send them to. I found with BookBub, it's somewhat limited reach. I would guess that, uh, I don't know, probably 90% of their subscribers are Amazon people. I find it harder to send people to like the Apple links. And, uh, if you're going to do it, you might want to not do Amazon so that your budget isn't quickly spent by the Amazon links. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of, lost track of my thought of <laughs> Facebook reader groups. Most of the reader started one ha- reader started ones have rules against self-promotion. What I have seen su- be super effective is when eight or 10 authors will all write in a tight niche, create their own Facebook reader group. Like I've seen this be super powerful, especially if they are already, all of them are like mid list kind of, they've already, or better, you know, they've already got some readers uh, and then they just promote their own stuff within the group. And they're kind of, it's basically cross promoting another way to do it besides newsletter swaps to the people in that group. Uh, and, you know, if a group gets big enough, it can attract outsiders who are outside readers who are also searching on that author, one of those authors on Facebook. If you are going to do something like that, like if I was ever going to do something like that, I would totally pay someone to be the admin, you know, and kind of manage things, whether whether you want to do giveaways or what you're going to do to make those readers want to be in that group. Uh, you know, it, it helps to have somebody paying attention to that stuff, especially when they get pretty big, there can be a lot of uh, drama between the <laughs> fans. So that's something to uh, keep in mind. Uh, I don't know. I kind of rambled. I tried to hit on everything there. Joe, do you have anything to add? I don't have a lot to add to that, but I will say you'd be surprised at how much of a knock-on effect advertising on one store can have on another another store, particularly in the case of advertising on Amazon, because lots of people who don't buy their books on Amazon, either because they don't have an Amazon e-reader or they simply don't like Amazon's near monopoly when it comes to books, will still shop there for other things. And when you see a book like you like on Amazon, there's nothing stopping you from just buying it wherever else you want to buy books. 
uh, assuming that you have it there in those other places. Uh, and folks who buy on Amazon are still good for word of mouth to folks who don't buy on Amazon. So I wouldn't put money into Amazon ads hoping it will increase your sales at Barnes & Noble or, or Apple or someplace else like that. But you'd be surprised that your sales at other places will sort of ride higher proportionally if you're riding higher on Amazon or to a degree, uh, even more so in the other direction. If you're, if you're for some reason really rocking it really well, uh, with advertising to, uh, uh specifically to a wide thing, either because you're targeting it through, uh, Facebook or on, uh, BookBub, um, your Amazon will go up too because people think to chop on Amazon for books. So yeah. If you're having a hard time uh, advertising wide, you can still just focus on the one thing that you're good at uh, and just have the trickle down and uh, and knock on effects as a result. Yeah, I like that um, that point that you made that um, don't pump money into Amazon ads hoping you'll increase Barnes & Noble sales. But that is a side effect of Amazon ads because a lot of readers also shop on Amazon because they like the search function and the recommend recommendation engine there better than on their retailer. Uh, I don't generally participate in reader groups um, when it comes to Facebook because the ones that allow promotions are... They're generally like they're overrun with promotions and it's usually new authors that don't really know what they're doing. They're like, ah, I've got to post everywhere about my, about my book. And so they go and post in all the Facebook groups, which by the way, I don't know if you two have noticed, we've been getting a lot of self-promotional posts in our six figure authors group tons. I've, I've, I've like had to delete several in the last week guys stop. <laughs> so they're like, Joe has the best beard self-promote. <laughs> so, um, anyway, don't do that. Um, anyway, so yeah, so the ones that do allow promotions are overrun. I've only had, I've only run into one Facebook group that was not overrun. And that is, um, a Facebook group devoted to Western romances. So if you write Western romance, I don't even remember what it's called. Um, go look at me up Amelia Adams and ask her, <laughs> ask her what that group is called. But that one had really, really great ROIs whenever you would post about your book. Um, Anyway, so the ones that don't allow promotions, self-promotions aren't generally worth my time. I'm not saying that they're not worthwhile. I just have very little time. And so I don't choose to spend it in random groups where I'd have to invest a lot of, a lot of effort and resources to build relationships, to get recognized and to eventually gain readers. It's just not high on my list of priorities. Um, and one thing that has worked for me in the past is swapping ARC readers. So if you have a healthy review team, even if it isn't a huge one and you have an author friend who writes in the same genre and who also has a healthy review team, you can ask your reviewers to, if they would like, or if they'd be interested in reading and reviewing each other's books. Um, sometimes if they like the book and are interested, I'll invite them onto my review team. Sometimes my team isn't open though. Um, like right now it's not open because managing it is currently an issue, but either way, it's a good way to gain new readers and reviews all in one go. And so that's something that I recommend if you want to use Facebook groups, because there are authors who run their groups solely on Facebook. All right. Yeah. I think too, with Facebook groups, better to do one of your own then because the other you can get kicked off another one it can disappear <laughs> you know just facebook it's not like you own it so anything you're going to invest a lot of time in you know even with a facebook group that you own or that you're doing jointly with other people i would be careful about how much time you want to invest in it just because facebook can be you know we've heard in the last couple of years of tons of authors just getting their accounts closed or their ads accounts closed for no reason uh like they were cracking down a lot during the election and stuff uh, you know so obviously you know, close down the account of a sci-fi author but uh just remember 
be careful anytime you put something into like a social media site, a site that you don't own, you don't have a backup of any kind. You can't like bring it back to life if it just poofs during an update. But um, yeah, like I said, it can be powerful if you do that jointly with other authors. All right. I think that was our last question. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts before we close the show? I think I am drained. All right. Well, thank you for listening to everyone. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. Bye-bye. See y'all later. So long, everybody. <laughs>